Do you want me to continue set up? Oh yeah, yeah. Keep keep setting up. Cause that's what the early birds want to see. I'm not gonna lie. My favorite thing was I looked at Board Game Geek, and it said like. This game is about attracting birds to your preserve. And I was like, okay. Then I read the rule book and it was like, in this game, you're a bird enthusiast. <laughs> and list five different kinds of bird enthusiasts that could exist. Did it? Yeah, I can't even remember them. Bird watcher is the only one like I could think of. This is wild. Didn't know there's that many categories of bird enthusiasts. Tweet, tweet. You can tweet at us on Twitter at ATBW Josh and Phil. And we're not just on Twitter. We also have a Facebook page now. I've got I've got two rhymes left. Only two. Should I just give you both of them? You can pick one. No. Choose no. your own rhyme. You, no. With a roll of the dice, the podcast gets nice. <laughs> you right. so proud of this? Here's the song. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Above the Board, where we stay above the board with <laughs> Josh and Phil. <laughs> Kind of switched it up on you a little bit. Uh, so, for those of you who've never tuned in, uh, what we do is we play board games together, and we like to uh, chit chat about things that fuel our geeky hearts. Yes. But the actual board game playing is what lubricates the conversation. Yeah, you keeps it nice win. and moist, Perfect. compact, uh, like a like a like a king cake. You know. <laughs> I don't know how we get. Is king cake also moist? It's not actually. It's very dry. <laughs> but our conversations are 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 lit. They're fire. Yes, they're bushes. Which is also not moist. <laughs> so anyway, today we are playing a. Very we're recorded in front of a live Sorry. streaming audience at Twitch TV slash Above the Board. I just forget that part. Even though it's right. It's there. my only line. I'm so sorry. With Josh and Phil. And I didn't even get to say my name this time. You I really didn't. dominated our intro I, today. You. <laughs> we can do it over. Oh, with the magic of editing. Yeah, do you want to? No, I like the organic feel okay. of it. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to not let myself say her name twice, you know. I know. I think you overdid it, though. I did, yeah. I shot for the moon and landed on Saturn. So anyway, today, I'm very excited. We're playing one of my favorite board games that I discovered in the past couple of years, Wingspan. And I've been trying to get Phil to play this game with me for a good while now. I played Wingspan one time, and it was at a work conference. So yeah. you know it was at least two years ago. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm not going to talk smack and say, Oh, I played this so many more times than you, I'm sure I'm going to beat you this. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just not going to. At this point in the show, I've just accepted the fact that when I play against you, more than likely, I'll lose. <laughs> but it could be a close game. Because pretty much every like competitive game has been close, or it's gone back and forth, and then I end up losing, <laughs> which is fine. It's fine. It's all good. I get competitive at the moment, but I don't harbor just, you know what I mean? That's good. So, That's no. key. Yeah. At least not to you, Phil. Maybe someone else. I might, I might be like, if you bring that game in my house again, I'm going to light you both on fire. Okay? <laughs> but anyway. That's what our friendship has bought me. Yeah, well, that among many other things, you know. <laughs> Free hugs whenever you want. I didn't know you charged others. Yeah, dude, all the time. <laughs> it depends on the person, but it, it the rates vary across the board. That's from right. material things to favors. <laughs> How else would I construct an empire such as I have? If it weren't for your excellent hugs. Obviously, family I don't charge. But anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to see the accounting for these hugs. 
the rest of it. We've got to pull the whole podcast to a halt. Time out. out. Time out. Let me see the numbers, please. But yeah, no, this game, I got it for Christmas a couple years ago, and then I started playing it with my family in Florida, and I was like, this is probably the most relaxing competitive board game I've ever played, or game period, really, that I've ever played in my life. Like, because even when I know I'm losing, I'm just enjoying putting little birds down because it's so it's such a pretty game. Like, yes. Everything is so cool. Like, I just you can't get mad at this game. Basically, the premise is to construct a bird preserve and quote unquote attract as many birds as you can to your little your player man is that's your bird preserve to gain points. And at the end I, of four I would, rounds, I would like to read the first line of the rule book. You go ahead because it's a treasure. You go ahead. You are bird enthusiasts, <laughs> researchers, bird watchers, ornithologists, and collectors seeking to discover and attract the best birds to your network of wildlife preserves. Boom. So it's it's a whole network of wildlife preserves on yeah. this board. Welcome to the if Becker we were... Network Wildlife Preserve. <laughs> uh, this was this is Joe Exotic of the bird world. <laughs> Which, by the way, quick side note. I binge watched the entire Joe vs. Carol show on Peacock. It's not a story we needed. You're a fan of Kate McKinnon, right? Yeah, mostly. Mostly. She is a scary good impersonator. Yes. Like, scary good. To the point where Kate McKinnon looks nothing like Carol Baskin. Like, if you put two ladies side by side. But there were so many times in this eight episode, especially towards the end when it's, like, catching up to, like, right before Netflix approached her to do the documentary Uh that everyone blew up about a couple years ago. She looks, sounds, everything exactly like Carol Baskin. And it is uncanny. Like, it is really weird. Like, the guy that they got to play Joe, he does a pretty darn good job, too. Mm -hmm. But... You know, it's kind of hard to mess that up because that character's so insane, right? <laughs> like, and not that the rest of that cast from the Netflix show isn't insane <laughs> and colorful, for lack of better words, but Kate McKinnon, man, it's just, it's really creepy how good she can impersonate anybody. So anyway, That's it's funny. on Peacock if you ever want to check it out, at least the pilot. It's not a story you need to see if you've already seen the Netflix show. I haven't seen the Netflix show. If you know anything Don't about Joe Exotic, Peacock. well, then there you go. <laughs> it's not really, it's not a thumbs down. It's just like a, I mean. So that's why I do thumbs up, thumbs down. You gotta, yeah. is it a thumbs up? Is it worth a watch? I mean, it's, if you don't know anything about Joe Exotic, yeah. But if you've already watched the Netflix show, no. Because hmm. I will say this, one other quick note about it. Because there's a lot of, like, sensitive things about Joe Exotic's life. And things that happen, like, to the people around him. Like, suicide and domestic uh, abuse and like oh, substance man. abuse that gets treated very uh, tastefully in the Peacock show. Is it a is it a comedy or just like a biopic? It's like a dramedy. I mean, there are definitely some pretty good comedic moments in the show, but it's not like you're not gonna watch it to like laugh. Okay. And when I say it's a story, you don't we don't really need it because, like I said, the Netflix show's already exploded with popularity. But it's like, if you already watch that, and you already know what's going to happen, or what has happened, I should say, then we don't need a dramatization just two years later of exactly, pretty much. Oh, weird. Like, I feel like if this was a show that was done in, like, ten years, it might be a little bit more poignant. Not enough time for them to have a new perspective on it. Uh, Like, he's got a 22 or 23 year sentence, and he's not eligible till 2036. Interesting. And what's his only crime keeping tires? No. (laughs) Well, now I gotta watch it. No. 
he hired uh, a hitman to kill Carol Baskin. Well, the best part about that I is... I like your finger quotes on hitman. Because he's not a hitman. <laughs> he's a criminal that definitely killed somebody. But he's like... He approaches him and he's like, here's $3,000. I need you to take care of Carol Baskin. And he's like, okay, how do you want me to do it? Everyone that knew about it ratted him out almost immediately. <laughs> and this hitman took the $3,000 and just was like, see ya. <laughs> so he got caught for that. And to be fair... Everybody involved in that story aren't really the best people, you know? Like, I don't... Anyone who has, like, a wildlife sanctuary, you're not conserving species. Like, you're... I'm playing a game about having a wildlife sanctuary. (laughs) That's why I said this is Joe Exotic of (laughs) the birds. You can be Carol, be Joe. (laughs) But don't worry, I won't send a a hitman. Uh, They'll just take your money? (laughs) Yeah. But anyway... It was that. What a treat. <laughs> what a treat. So that's the premise of Wingspan. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> Joe Exotic, the right. board game. Yeah, let's With the, birds. Let's get to the game, I guess. All right, so first things first, you can play birds at any time as long as you have the food to pay the cost. Right. The eggs are more for, besides that, they're more for, because they're one point per egg. Oh. And each bird... Eggs are highly valuable. ...has the little indicator... The type of nest and then how many eggs each bird can have on their card. And the type of food they eat is what we pay to play them. To play them, correct. Why are you tucking cards? Cards behind it, that's a point per tuck card. Okay. So certain birds, like hawks or eagles, it'll say once you activate it, if you have a bird in your hand that's like uh, less than Mm -hmm. a certain wingspan amount, you can tuck that bird to gain an extra point. So now we're ready to play. Yeah. Is it whoever most recently saw birds starts? <laughs> I hate that modern trend in rule books. Whoever saw a horror movie, whoever... Yeah, like at, um... There's, I can't remember what it is, one of them I got. It's like, whoever has the pointiest ears. Uh, I played one once that had a very after-dark <laughs> starter requirement Ooh. that re- would require removal of clothes. We'll just leave oh, it at that. Oh, grief. Or just the the trust of each other's words. Yeah. One or the other. I got I got one spy game, and I believe it says choose someone um, to go first by whatever means possible, or something like that. Oh, yeah. That, like, heavily implies that if you just start, you're going first. <laughs> <laughs> or if you kill the other person, you yeah, go first. Yeah, this, this is intense. I don't want that. I Would just want to you... roll a die and see <laughs> the highest roll. Would you like me to go first, or you want to go first? Um, I'll, I'm more than happy to let the guests go first. So, to begin, I feel like I should play a bird. If you can, go Seems for like it. a strong opener. For sure. It will be the Purple Martin. Purple Martin? Which costs a worm. There we go. Uh, I, too, am going to play a bird for my first. I'm going to play a Wilson Snipe. Ooh. I'm going to go snipe hunting. Which also costs a worm. I see your bird is only four centimeters in wingspan. Well, mine is 46. Yeah, it's a, it's a big boy. No, it's 41 centimeters. Oh. <laughs> four centimeters, it's like a hummingbird. I know. I've never but, seen um, a snipe that size. All right, I guess I need glasses. So far away. It's okay. There's also a glare. I could go here, and since I don't have a bird or whatever, I just take a, a resource. Oh, we never rolled these, right? Yeah, go for it. Give a good roll. I like how they're chonky wooden dice. Mm-hmm. Here you can choose any one food, or you can discard a bird to get an extra food, so you can get up to two. I choose the worm. 
and then I will discard a card to take other worm. And so if the tray is ever all the same die face, we have to re-roll it, right? You can if you want. You don't have oh. to. Oh, okay, okay. What else we got in there? Oh, you know what? I am going to take food as well. I'm going to take that last little wormy. Okay, so now it's my go. And we just play until we're out of these Until you're out feeds, of things, right? and then it's at end of round one. And then we figure out who got the most points at round one pertaining to the goal over there. All right, I'm going to play another bird. Bird, bird, bird. It's the bird. Get a copyright strike. The black-nested... Oh, no, I'm sorry. The black-necked stilt. When play, draw two bird cards. Yeah. So you got an emu up there. <laughs> Top deck one. Oh, that's... <laughs> See? It's such a relaxing, beautiful game. I do like the idea of an emu. Gain all the grain that are in the bird feeder? Oh, but I distribute the rest to the other players. Being there's only two of us, we would just, like, split it evenly. I'm the rufous-banded honey eater. What a silly Rufus. What else we got in there? I'm gonna actually... And so a nectar can just be used for anything? Huh? Is that correct? Nectar can be anything? Yeah, it's a wild food. I am going to actually lay an egg. Put on my little snipe snipe. I don't have any eggs yet. I'm bugging out, man. So what would you like to talk about first? Let's save the Batman towards the end, maybe. Yeah, because that'll probably be the longest section. I, know. I imagine. Um, How about Uncharted? We both saw Uncharted. I, I went on a date to see, see it with Randy. I went on a date to see it with Randy, too. Oh, good. <laughs> I knew Randy loved it. It was so nice she saw it twice. No, no, I mean my wife. Oh, okay. I super enjoyed it. I just had a blast. Yeah, I know. It's such a good, fun popcorn movie. I know. And I came out of it and I told, I told my wife, I feel like if I was like 14, this would be my new favorite movie. Yeah, I can Like, see it's that. like amazing and it's got like a a lot of like polished like mid-thousands vibe to it oh yeah you know it re- like in a lot of ways remind me of like a pirates of the caribbean era film yeah 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 i would definitely sure. say pirates is better well yes i would you know i don't mind saying them in the same breath <laughs> that's fine i thoroughly enjoyed it it's one of those movies where it's just like when it was done like if i was watching at home and i just needed background noise for something oh, yeah. like, i'd put it on again yeah it was funny and exciting Although, I'm not going to lie, going into it, right, like, the trailer has that scene of him, like, falling between the boxes hanging off the back of the plane. Yeah. And then he, like, gets to the top, and then the car comes. And, and I was like, him. they put this much in the trailer? That's a bad sign. Yeah, no, And then, then we go to the theater. That's the opening scene of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like, like, this is a like, bad like, sign. Like, oh, no. I was like, Emily, if they do 48 hours earlier, <laughs> I'm going to leave. <laughs> and then it's, like, 15 years earlier. I was like, oh, no. But I was pleasantly surprised in that when they got back to that scene in, like, normal timeline, they, like, presented it differently. It didn't just, like, replay it. Yeah. It was like you saw all these different perspectives. And that's, like, my big thing is so many movies, like, use the Immediate Res mm-hmm. record scratch 48 hours earlier. Like, bet you're wondering how I got yeah, here. Yeah, because for whatever reason, we can't watch movies that start slow anymore you know i feel like the movies that do it the best is when it's different when you get to it like it's like recontextualized somehow you know and the fact that they were showing all the different character perspectives that you didn't even know were involved in that scene made it like exciting in a new way and not just like i'm watching the same five minutes i saw at the beginning of the movie (laughs) right i also really appreciated uh mark Wahlberg and tom holland's chemistry oh it was really it was really good because at first when they met each other at the bar that Uh first moment didn't sell me i was like like, ah, this is weird. The back and forth, you know, banter and oh, like yeah. the one up 
trying to like outdo the other or like out thieve the other i guess yes it was, that was really good fun. and then of course the love interest or kind of love interest of the movie chloe she was fun too I, I, that's true i, I guess i kind of like that they didn't go all in on the romance she was just like another character are you somewhat familiar with the games like as far not as not really not like, at all it's only the first one i had a roommate and i watched him play like 50 percent through i feel like my peak geekdom was like me and like three of my best friends lived in a house together we all bought big screen tvs in yeah. his basement so it was like this wall of large tvs one person would be watching this like movie that was interesting then two other people would be playing these triple a titles and then i'd be playing yet another one dude yeah i remember there's a few times where like if we had like a big thing we'd come over and you guys would be down there <laughs> i remember everyone kind of doing their own little thing it was but it cool. wasn't like but we were always like engaged but oh that's cool man and it, it so i missed cool. it I tried to convince my wife we should have two TVs in our living room. <laughs> she just wouldn't go for it. I'm like, Dude, there it's so fun. Yeah. It's so nice to be like playing one thing and watch something else and vice versa. I get it. Uh, although like at this point in my life, like age wise, like cognitively speaking, I'd probably lose my mind a little bit if there's like two things <laughs> on. I don't know if I could do it. It's a cool idea. I'm not knocking yeah. it. I'm just I, mean, I mean, you wouldn't watch like two TV shows at once maybe? No, no. But like playing like, a game. trying to be like Ozymandias. From the Watchmen. Nice reference. <laughs> Good old Ozymandias. What a villain. I just can't even bring myself to watch that movie because the comic is so good. You should watch the show. I do want to see the show. The show is phenomenal. That's right. I'm like... And uh, Jeremy Irons plays Ozymandias. Oh, Jeremy Irons is so good. <laughs> well, dude, he's so, like, he's so good. How they failed the comic and the movie, I feel like, they definitely redeemed not all of it but like a good chunk of like just how Watchmen is supposed to feel Mm -hmm. in the show even though it's like a legacy show it's like a sequel I mean it obviously references events from the comic not the movie which is really cool but it doesn't like harp like you you know what I mean like you don't have to be like a Watchmen like expert Um, we were talking about Uncharted we were and then we got (laughs) and I just want to say I think the final set piece with the pirate ships was was awesome a lot of fun like it was great it was it's like one of those movies that if you had the chance to see it in theaters, it was totally worth it. Oh, definitely worth it to For see sure. on the big screen. Especially that climax scene with the oh, yeah. pirate ships that's, being I think hauled that's out one of things on helicopters. It's just because like, that's what the movies are for. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But yeah, no, I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed it because I thoroughly enjoyed it too. And yeah, Randy, really Randy loved it. And it was one of those movies too where like, when it was done, it's like a roller coaster. Like You're like, man, that was fun. But then the more you think about it, the more you're like, that really was fun. It I want to ride it again. Yeah. And, and that's I, exactly how it was. Because the characters were like just enough that yeah. you cared about what happened. But you weren't, like, overthinking it. And they set up everything enough to where I now want a sequel. But if they never make one, I'm also not going to like it. Yes. You know what? I feel like I'd compare it to maybe National Treasure as well. Ooh, yeah. I think I might like it more than National Treasure. Yeah. Okay. Definitely the second one. I did not like the second National Treasure. That was not a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Made me very sad. I would say it's on par with National Treasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Very similar. I wouldn't put one above the other. It's a pretty even kill. I do want to say Tom Holland is an action star. Mixed feelings. Because on one hand, he's great yeah. at it. But I feel like his boyish face, like, sets him back. I understand. Because he that. was so talented. Like, all the stunt work he was doing. Yeah. I was like, he is top quality action star material. 
but he looks like he's ten, <laughs> which makes him a great Spider-Man. Yeah, but but not not much. A little bit less believable as a treasure hunter. I get it, and like uh, definitely a lot less as like a womanizing treasure hunter. Yeah, like Nate's supposed to be because like when he was like flirting, I was like, this is weird. Like I feel weird. I, know. I, I feel dirty. Like Anakin Padme vibes. Yeah, like this is odd. Because it was, I was like, kind of like, how old is he supposed to be in this story? I- <laughs> I don't know. I also find at least it 15. odd. At least, <laughs> at very least, I also find it odd when they're the montage of him doing all his like workout regime. Oh yeah, like, that's what made me think of it. It's like, like it's like objectifying him, but yeah. he like looks kind of like a teenager. Well, it makes me weird too, because like I watch, I, I'm sadly addicted to TikTok, and like there's so many talks, I guess, or ticks, maybe, or ticks. I don't know. I don't. I a don't. Mixture of ticks and talks. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> that um talk about how hot Tom Holland is. And but they're all obviously younger people saying it. Oh no, like that's what I'm saying. He looks like he would be the star soccer player at your high school <laughs> that all the girls would want to date. Yeah. But he's, he's supposed 25. to be like Yeah. That's yeah, very weird. I do think it's funny fun side note, Zendaya said that she hates him uh for one particular reason is because he was a he's a classically trained dancer that like he makes all of his cause he got his start with the um theater performance of Billy Elliot. Oh. So but she hates that he's a classically trained dancer because he makes all the movements that a stunt man would make especially spider-man yeah like she he makes it all like natural like it's just oh, fluid yeah. like it's like second nature to him like the flips the landings like how he moves his body when he does like if it's a wire pull where he gets pulled back or yeah. something it's not awkward flailing he makes it look athletic yeah you know that makes a lot of sense and she's like i hate him for it i hate like the in <laughs> he's the, so good she hates him yeah in the marketing right after no way home came out that's all she she's like i hate it like look at this like he, he's so good at getting blown back by something <laughs> It's dumb. That's funny because it, it was it was like eye opening to me when I found out that like Jackie Chan choreographs his fight scenes with eight counts. Yeah, yeah. You know? And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's like actually just dancing. Yeah, <laughs> which is really cool. I know it's impressive. All right, I'll take your my turn, turn, sir. You know what? I had a strategy and everything, and now you got me thinking about Tom Holland working out. That's my strategy. <laughs> so just it, correct me if I'm wrong here. I want to play Princess Stephanie's Astropia. Astrapia. So I can trade two to be a worm and use a nectar to be a cherry? Yeah, you sure can. Well, that's certainly what I'm going to do. And slide your bird. Whoa. Easy. Uh, Easy. It's not just any bird. It's Princess Stephanie's Astrapia. I'm sorry. Uh, Oh, that's a nice one activated card, though. My thoughts exactly. So with this uh, nectar slash cherry die... You can choose one or the other. Wouldn't you always pick the nectar? Not necessarily. Did you use your nectar? I did. Okay, so every time you use a nectar token for anything, you put it there. Because if you get five, you get two points for the end of the game. So again, wouldn't you just take nectar every time? Like, isn't cherry the worst of the two? Not necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. you're not always going to get that dice. Like, that's a rare Well, one. I know, but if you're choosing between nectar and a cherry, you should choose nectar, right? Well, if you already have a nectar, why would you... Get Are you limited nectar. to one? No, but if you have a nectar, why would you get a ne- another nectar? Because they're wild. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you use up two wilds for one card? Unless that card is like a bomb point. Look, I'm just looking at this as like, this is the difference between buying a gift card for cherries or getting cash, right? Like is cash it? is just better than a gift card, right? No, it's not. Yes! <laughs> I mean, okay, a gift card for cherries at the cherry store versus cash? Yeah, 
for sure. But if someone's giving you a Visa gift card that you can use online, you can use anywhere you want. Yeah. Or cash that you can only use at a store that you have to physically go to now. They've now given you a chore to spend your present. <laughs> do you see my point? <laughs> I do, but I don't think that was my point. <laughs> no, I see your point. I'm just giving you a counterpoint. Always appreciate an overextended metaphor. Yeah. No. Hey, <laughs> so what else? What else were we here for, Philip? Uh, all right. So that's the end of round one. So now we take one of our markers. I got most. And then I, I get zero for not having it. No, you oh, no, kept my So you're in around. second. There we go. All right. So now round two. We have one less move for this round. Do you get to go first this time, or is it still me? Uh, I'll let you go first. I don't think you'll let me. I don't think it matters. I mean, don't be rude about it, or I'll just go. You know, <laughs> don't look a gift horse in the mouth, a gift bird in the mouth, if you will. I am famous for looking gift horses in the mouth. <laughs> Are you? I am. Like at work, my boss is like, the higher ups want to try something new, and everyone should take a Friday off. And I was like, does this count against our vacation? <laughs> They're like, just take it off. You offered us free lunch on Friday. Are you trying to not give me free lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, shut up, just take a Friday just take off work. It. Just take it. <laughs> so I want to play the American Avocet. Very so nice. I've got a worm and nectar is wild and nectar is wild. So now I have an Avocet. And then once between turns when another player takes the lay egg action, this bird lays one egg on any other bird with the same type of nest. Mm-hmm. Like good. my black necked stilt. <laughs> just like that. As Very a bird good. enthusiast, I have it. Attracted him to my network of wildlife preserves. Yeah, you're not a you're not an ornithologist or a bird watcher. You're just an enthusiast. Well, those are all forms of enthusiasts. <laughs> no, no, I was just saying. And I want to know what the difference between a researcher and an ornithologist is. Maybe like a zoologist um, versus a like the researcher is like a broader. Yeah. I research wetlands. Like an ecologist, maybe. Okay, but and an ornithologist is like I'm only on the birds. <laughs> Only birds. I'm here to attract birds and nothing else. Get out of here. Anything else. Only <laughs> birds. This is Joe Exotic. What's the next thing you want to talk about, Phil? Um, I was going to ask you about Elden Ring. As someone who dislikes Dark Souls. Me. Yeah. Well, I wonder if you... <laughs> See, that's what I thought. I didn't think you were a fan. So how'd yeah. you end up with uh, Elden Ring and how do you like it? Dude, so like all the reviews sucked me in. You know? Like all these super criticky voices of reason i guess uh, i challenge the idea that video game critics are voices Dude. of reason <laughs> it depends on where they're from because like honestly ign no no offense to any ign lovers out there but they're they obviously get paid for their reviews I, well i saw this whole thing where it's there's this whole negative feedback loop and that no one's going to read your review unless you can post it before the game comes out. And so publishers are give only going to send games to people who give them favorable reviews. Exactly. So, like, you can't be in business unless you inflate your scores. That's very true. So, uh, IGN gave it a perfect 10. Most most places are giving it, like, pretty close to a perfect score across mm-hmm. the board. That's not what drew me in. It's the fact that most, like, critics are saying that, like, if you've never played a From Software game before, ever... This might be the best entryway. And that's what they said about Bloodborne when that first came out. And at the time, it was true. Bloodborne was probably the easiest, like, Souls game to get into because it was more fast. It was quicker paced, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you were more into, like, hack and slash mindset where, like, if you could just get in that extra hit that would topple an enemy or a boss versus, like, being patient and waiting and waiting and waiting and timing it, you know? Yeah. Like you still have to do that, obviously, but it was the window's much 
more generous in Bloodborne. That's what got me into Bloodborne. I loved it. I loved Bloodborne. It's a great mm-hmm. game, right? So then when they were saying that this is now the new entry point for from software games, I was like, I got to give it a try, you yeah. know? And it looks great. Like, it is a beautiful game. Mm-hmm. And they took the whole Breath of the Wild approach where... They open you up on everything. Like, obviously, you can't see everything. You have to uncover the map as you go. Most from software games are fairly linear in the sense that, like, you can only go this far until you level up or you have a certain item. This, you can go all the way to the end if you wanted to. Like, run all the way to the edge of the map to fight the final boss if that's what you wanted to do. You're not going to win unless you're very good at from software games, I guess. (laughs) You know? And you have tons of time because you're... You know, starting equipment's not going to get you anywhere. But it's really, it's a patient game for people who've never played a From Software game. I know that a lot of people might argue that because it is difficult. It is very difficult. And, like, a lot of people that I talk to complain because, like, the second you walk out, there's, like, an open world boss, like, just right there that, like, decimates you if you get anywhere near him. And trust me, he got me a few times. Oh, yeah. I saw a bunch of stuff on Reddit where it's like, it's basically there to introduce you to the idea that you should not fight everything yeah, immediately. exactly. But, like, more so than, than Bloodborne, because Bloodborne gave me that feel of, like, when you did beat a section of a level and, and beat a boss and got whatever loot or whatever, like, man, it was so empowering. Like, you felt yeah. great. You're like, cool, I can do it again. I mean, obviously, you're not going to. <laughs> but, like, it felt like... You could. And in this, it's the same thing, but because it's not linear, I feel like it gives you a greater sense of accomplishment. Because you're not really entirely sure, like, where you stand level-wise against something else that you're going to run into. Like that boss. Like, if somehow I was able to beat him in the first go, I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. But then once I started realizing that was, like, the anchor point of how difficult the game is or why you shouldn't fight everything you come across... I feel even better about myself mm-hmm. or about my progress in the game. As far as what a game gives you back, like a sense of accomplishment, it's probably one of the best ones that I could mm. recommend in recent years. I, I think that's the one thing I appreciate about the Souls game is it did kind of have that old school feel yeah. of where like you have to achieve something. Unlike wherever the world has gotten to where it's like your health bar replenishes if you hide behind a box long enough, you know? <laughs> right. Now, this one is just like every other Souls game. It's like all about item management. You do have to be patient when you're in combat. You have to be careful where you're moving around in combat. But because it's not linear, you can, like, just wander into the path of, like, ten other NPCs that are going <laughs> to... Like, you take down the one that you're fighting, and then you turn around, and there's, like, a small army coming to meet you. Like, crap. And I didn't mean for that to happen. And you used up all your, like, healing resources in that one fight, so... It's a lot of fun. It's one of those games where I'm not going to play it hardcore. But, like, two or three times a week, play for a few hours, and then get my feel for a little bit. Because also, I don't know if you're familiar with any Souls games, the lore and the story is not, like, in your face. It's more, like, exploring and reading and... Yeah, I like like that. Getting stuff. Like, I mean, there is a story, and it's interesting. George R. R. Martin, he didn't write the main story, but he collaborated with it, and then he wrote a lot of the side quests. That's neat. And one thing about the side quests that I think is really cool is there's no markers. Like, you could just be, like, wandering through an area, and then someone would be like, help me! Like, there's nothing highlighting where this person is. And then once you find him, then you talk to him. They don't give you, like, clear directions, like, go here and kill X amount of enemies. They tell you what you need to do, but there's no guide. Kind of got to figure it out on your own, or cheat, I guess, on YouTube. (laughs) I definitely give it a thumbs up, for sure. Nice. Especially from someone who's not used to those type of games. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, my only recommendation for you personally is if you ever wanted to try it, like wait, 
until it's on sale. Sure. I guess my one big question, is it like, kind of like the Dark Souls, where to me I always felt like the controls are really stiff. Like you can only yeah. like move <sighs> in one of eight directions or whatever. Yeah, it's still that way. It's yeah. a little bit more fluid, a little bit, but uh, they still have your stamina bar and you still have your, you know, your eight directional dodge moves. But it's more fluid in the sense that I feel like the dodge is more, not controllable, but like predictable, I guess. Okay. Maybe people won't agree with me on that i was like what made me mad about the souls game like i felt like you moved like on a chessboard or like in most modern 3d games you, you can take a big step or a small step or a half step but like dark souls is like you move from this square to this square yeah no i get it <laughs> this still has that but i feel like it's not and again i could be wrong in saying this but i feel like personally it's not as constricting as like bloodborne gotcha because bloodborne definitely was that okay that's really the only other souls game that i like sat down and played so that's my only base to go off of i do like the idea that there's no cap to the level because you gain a level for every time you upgrade your stat and i'm playing as a samurai character i mean come on (laughs) but like uh for example like his primary stats are dexterity and i can't remember the other one off the top of my head every time you level up dexterity it strengthens all the things that you would think would apply to using a katana like a two-handed katana like it'll do output your damage but also like increase the damage you can block with that weapon but uh, every time you level up a stat your character levels up and your character doesn't have a cap but each stat caps out at 99 so I guess technically there is a level cap. Yeah, 99 times 7 or whatever. Yeah, but like <laughs> I don't really see anyone anytime soon leveling their character sure. all the way up to... Because that would take forever. Yeah, somebody will do it. Thousands yeah. of hours. Somebody all over Twitch. That I do. and the racing to the final boss. Yeah, and beating I, him naked or whatever. I love seeing... I mentioned TikTok. There's all these TikToks of like these perfect dodgers and like people who can parry really well. Because like the parry mechanic is... It's like your lifesaver. Like, if your character can parry with a shield or, like, a big sword, that's pretty much going to be your only window to, like, do tons of damage. I love watching these TikToks where these dudes will go up against these, like, bosses that are, like, the community's like, I hate this guy. I hate you so hard. And it's just, like, a dude in, like, minimal armor and two swords. And he's just, like, doesn't get hit once. And he's just, like, just carves him up. Takes him out in, like, ten seconds. You know, like, that's never going to be me. But it's still pretty cool. Just gotta imagine. Just gotta believe in yourself. I do believe in myself. And I think I'll get to the end of the game one day. But I'm also realistic in the sense that I'm never gonna commit that much time to be that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Respect. I'm gonna burn this egg. That's dark. <laughs> Just a bad chef. Can't even make scrambled eggs. <laughs> do the Gordon Ramsay style. Very good. And uh, let's both get an egg. Let's I'm that kind of man. Do let's. I mean, I'm gonna lo- like eggs are worth points, right? Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna come back to bite me, but that's what Princess Stephanie's Astrapia <laughs> Astrapia does. Yeah. What a queen. You know. Not yet. She's getting there. All 45 centimeters of that Princess Stephanie's Astrapia. Uh, what's left in the? Is it just a rat in the? Yes. <laughs> so you can re-roll. True. Speaking of rats, super pumped about Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Have you seen any of the previews for that? No. Is it a show or no, a comic? No, uh, a video game. It's oh, like what? it's like a Ninja Turtles arcade game beat 'em up. Oh, nice. And it's like a brand new one. Is it done in the vein of like the old school? Oh yeah. Turtles game? Like the old arcade games. They revealed Splinter as a playable character. And then just the other day they revealed 
that they're going to release a pack of all the old, like, Nintendo and arcade, like, Ninja Turtles, like, all in one bundle. Nice. Like, called the Cowabunga Pack. <laughs> and I was like, I'm oh, playing yeah. all Ninja Turtle games this year. Lay eggs. No other games for me. You're going to lay eggs? Yeah, I'm going to lay eggs. You know what my American advocate has to say about that? I get a free egg. And then each player gets one food from the bird feeder. Starting the player with your choice. I choose you, Philip. Get, get, get a food item out of there. Get a food out of there. I'm going to get another cherry. Yeah, cherry, when you threw that fit about why wouldn't you always just go with the nectar? I felt shamed into it. Because <laughs> I've been thinking that the whole time. Yeah. Like I should just take the nectar, right? Yeah. Oh, I spent a nectar. Doesn't that go on this? Yeah, thing? it does. It's the only downfall of this game is that there's so many like things that you would miss. Like, if you're not kind mm. of super focused on... If you're trying to talk about Elden Ring at the same time. <laughs> Elden Ring, though, man. It's pretty good. I'm gonna play a bird. Sounds like a rap song. Someone does, taking advantage of a lady. Oh my I'm gonna play a bird. <laughs> what? Players gonna play birds. I guess. <laughs> Maybe in the 20s. <laughs> One of those 20s rap songs. Yeah. Oh, I meant to shout out Prodigy the Kid, who made our theme song. Yeah, and that... Just released a new music video. It's really good. It was. I just had to play Count Raggy's Bird of Paradise. (laughs) Count Raggy's? How would you? Yeah, sure. Raggy's. It's like a double G. (laughs) It's from Australia. Who knows how they pronounce it over there? No, you know what? It's Australia. It's probably hard G. You're probably right. (laughs) A hard G is gonna play a bird. (laughs) You're born in the wrong era, Philip. (laughs) You're born in the wrong era. Good times. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to play a bird. Horsefield's Bushlark. Hey, we have two viewers, man. I know they're good people. Thanks for watching. This is a very we're quiet listening game. Listening along. Yeah. Sorry, we're uh, uh, bird enthusiasts. So <laughs> be quiet, so the birds don't get scared. Got to take it in, man. Otherwise, I won't attract them to oh, my I want you network to... of wildlife preserves. <laughs> I'm going to play a bird. The camera bird, the scissor-tailed. Flycatcher. Classic bird. It's my favorite uh, American bird. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little map covered color. Did you it. know uh, the mating display of these birds involves aerial acrobatics that show off their long tail? My favorite so bird. So is that like <laughs> part of its mating ritual on the cover? I guess. <laughs> it's a little odd. Why'd you point that out? Now I'm going to feel weird every time I look at this box. I feel like my favorite bird is trying to mate with me every time I look at it. <laughs> Ornithographic. Ugh. <laughs> Yuck. Alright, that's the end of round two. So that is your go. Well, actually, tell me about Six Gun first. The Six Gun? I guess, uh, like kind of a Lovecraftian cowboy story. Sold. I know, right? Immediately. And it's really pulpy in the best way. And it's it's really well written. Well, now you got me. Oh, this is what Google's for. I'm gonna say Image. It could also be Dark Horse. Dark Horse likes to do their weird stuff. Published by Oni Press. Oh, okay. Um, the premise is there is um, these six magic guns that um, in every era appear, these six weapons. And so it's like in ancient times, they were like swords and stuff. And now in Wild West era, they, they appear as six shooters. Dude. And they're like full spaghetti Western, like unlimited ammo. This is amazing. And Yeah, so the first one is it's like this evil general is like attacking and this like huckster manages to kill him and you have to kill the person to get the guns so he's got like four of the guns yeah and this other girl has like the sixth gun this is like affinity stones. yeah it kind of is and so 
the gun number five is kind of out there and they get different powers from them and stuff. Yeah, like Infinity Stones. Um, but it is kind of like a Lovecraftian horror kind of thing. Dude, I'm Fighting. sold. Is this new? Yeah. Like a new or new-ish? It's not that new because yeah. like volume 10 is out, I guess. Yeah. So a few but, years maybe. But I've got volumes one through seven. Okay. And uh, it is just, it's really fun and all the storylines are interesting and it's like the world is kind of big enough. It's kind of like Lost before it got towards the end where you're like, anything can happen. <laughs> and it was just like more stuff and it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the setting is so broad that I'm I like, it doesn't bother me at all. They're not like, we need to get all the guns right now. So is there like time jumping like in between time periods or not is it really? All... Like the whole story takes place in the Wild West and it like follows like the same few characters. Gotcha. And like they bring in new and interesting characters all the time and it'll like cut in their backstory. Like it focuses on the character's journey and so it's always bringing in all these new characters that are cool. It's really and they cool, like man. reconnect back and it is just super fun. I definitely I'm not surprised though that you found like a really cool sounding comic because if it's not Marvel or DC, yeah, I can usually rely on you to like suggest like the <laughs> Bigfoot Bob or whatever Bigfoot Bill. Yes, yeah. dude, it's so, it's fun. so fun and uh, kind of mad. The author is like super into selling NFTs now. Ugh. And I'm like, go back and finish the Bigfoot Bill trilogy, please. Stop with all this <laughs> NFT talk, please. World, it's annoying. But anyways, yeah, no, I like kind of these weird indie things. Yeah, but they're always really good. Like, what was the other one that uh, I got super into there like a long time ago? Uh, not Metropolis. Maybe Metropolis. No, Metro City. Is that it? Astro City. Astro City. Dude, yes. Astro City, so good. It is so good, man. I think that was at the point where like I hadn't really dabbled into anything that wasn't mainstream Marvel, DC, yeah. or even Image of Dark Horse. Like as far as like you know Hellboy or yeah. stuff that's like super super. I guess in the zeitgeist yeah. of the comic readers in my world, I hadn't no one had else that ever oh, talked yeah, about. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? But yeah, no, I it's always appreciate that you can yeah. recommend. Dude, six kind of so good. I'll, I'll let you borrow those next. Hey, I'm, 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 you had me sold. You said Cthulhu Cowboy. (laughs) Yeah. Done. It is awesome. Done. Like, cause, uh, I just read number six and the story is like, they're like traveling along. All of a sudden this like winter storm sucks them in and they're in this like deserted town where all the people are frozen and it's like the Wendigo is hunting them or whatever. And it's crazy, man. (laughs) It's so good. Sold. So, so. You know like me. Everyone. Monsters, oh, yeah. weird horror, it's the arcane best, stuff. Done. The pace of Uncharted. It's like an exciting story. Yeah. And that's excellent. It's I'm, so fun. I might even, like, I might borrow, like, the first volume, and mm. then I might just, like, start collecting it myself because that literally okay. sounds directly, yeah, like, up my alley. Dude, yeah, go for it. Um, I bought I bought out most of them that were at half price books. <laughs> That's fine. I, I don't mind. I've also lately, well, since the pandemic, I've really enjoyed the idea of like online collect. Not necessarily. I don't enjoy buying things. Right. But like the act of hunting them down, it's a lot of fun. Oh it's yeah, a fun yeah, hobby. Yeah. Uh, so. Even if I'm like, I just stare at something for like a year and never pull the trigger on it. I'm like, I know yeah. where it is. I'm oh, just not yeah. gonna buy it. I ended up doing a weird purchasing choice for this series. Um, that's going to result in an old man story. So, okay, let's hear it. 48 hours earlier. <laughs> I bet you're wondering so. how I got here. <laughs> so, I had number two, like, sitting on my shelf for a while. Finally read it, and I was like, I forgot how good this was. And I went out, and I bought three and four. Yeah. And then I finished four. I was like, I need I need more of these. <laughs> so I went out to buy uh, five or whatever. And Half Price Books has, like, the deluxe volume. And so five and six is like in the same book, but it's like 
oversized, tons of extras in it or whatever. So it's like a two-pound book or whatever. <laughs> I had it in my car because I read it while I'm in carpool picking up my kid from school. I mean, and fair. so when she went to like get in the car, I like reached into the back seat to set the book down, pulled my shoulder muscle. <laughs> It's like it's been over a week and it's like still sore. It's okay. Like, what's wrong with me? I like. I thought for sure I dislocated my elbow today when I was picking up Piper. Oh man! (laughs) And it's not like the kid's heavy. I mean, she's getting big. Yeah. It's not like she's fifty pounds. She's still a baby. And like, uh, I was sitting there at a work call and I'm like typing away, like filling out a thing while I'm on the call, and she's behind me eating her little baby snacks, and then she starts like. I feel her, like, pulling on me. So I go to turn around to pick her up and put her in my lap. And, like, I was at this angle, this weird angle, and I picked her up straight, and my elbow went, snap! <gasps> and it was the <gasps> loudest, gross... It was so loud that Piper was like, Hoo! Like, it oh, startled no. her. She doesn't like, obviously, most babies don't, uh, she doesn't like loud noises, like, you know, yelling in pain. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like... <clears throat> and, like, just kind of had to, like, hold the tears. I cried on the inside of my yeah. face. <laughs> Because she knew that something was wrong. Because I was not like, oh, happy bubbly daddy. I was yeah. like... <laughs> just a lot of um, Joe Pesci. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Home Alone moments. Macaulay Culkin just got you. <laughs> yeah. And he just got clonked on the head with a tool box or something. Was it an 80-pound toolbox? <laughs> yeah. Did you know, by the way, that there's a super random tangent, but there was a horror movie that was made a few years ago. It was like if Home Alone was real. So it's like act- this kid just murdering yes. criminals? Straight up slaughtering people with like Home Alone traps. I'm still like scarred. It's called from, uh, Better Watch Out, I think it's called. I'm still scarred from Brightburn. <laughs> I don't think I could watch another. Dude, yeah. I mean, it wasn't quite that uh, gory. Because that <laughs> movie was graphic. That's James Gunn, though, man. Definitely produced it. And if he had his money behind it, he was like, you gotta amp it up, man. You gotta make it... Yeah, go all in. You gotta make people cringe when they watch Certainly did. Yeah. Multiple times, too. Not just once or twice. I got one more old man story while we're on it. Yeah, go for it. In the car this morning, the radio does Throwback Thursdays, so it's playing all the classic jams or whatever. Oh, no. And my daughter is is all like, yeah, I recognize all these, because I know you and Mommy listen to all this old music, which is already kind of, uh... And then she's like, yeah, like at dance practice, they're playing this one song. What's that one with the music video where it's like about a high school? And I was like, I have no idea. And she's like, oh, I remember. Hit me, baby, one more time. (laughs) Thinking about that as an old song. Also, I like how she thinks of it as a music video about a high school. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a high school in it, but I wouldn't say it's about a high school. The Return of the Mac came on the radio the other day. Uh, and Sadie just could not stop giggling. She was like, what is this song? <laughs> and I was like, it's one of the best. It's one of the best. It she is. was like, is this a song from when you were a kid? I was like, doesn't matter where it's from. Doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> it's, it's timeless. Just, it is. There's so many songs so out there good. that are timeless, and Return of the Mac <laughs> is one of those songs. Just like, uh... Montel Jordan, this is how we oh, do it. Oh, yeah. That's timeless. That came on this morning. Nice. And she was jamming to it. I was like, that's what's up. Return of the Mac, I almost said that to be my ringtone. But then it's like about someone being on the rebound. <laughs> I just didn't, didn't express the family yes. values I support. <laughs> but yeah, didn't you have living my best life? Oh, I still do. Yeah. I mean, it's not family friendly either. <laughs> but it's not anti-family. 
<laughs> is Return of the Mac anti-family? If I'm married and I'm out there, well, okay. trying to get my Mac on. I you, I I'm trying to play a bird. I got <laughs> Pay my two eggs to get two eggs, but I'm also going to discard two cards. Get out of my hand. I don't need you. I don't like you. Useless birds. Get out of my preserve. I'm being Joe Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> Waving my gun around. I'm not going to shoot them though. Sometimes I get really weird with my eggs. I'm like, ooh, I like to match my egg colors as much as I can with the birds. Oh, that's nice. I mean, You're that is the scissor-tailed flycatcher. Isn't it? In position to lay some eggs. <laughs> is it in... <laughs> I guess, yeah, to start the process of doing so. <laughs> Between turns, since you laid eggs, I get an egg. Yay! You're welcome. Black necked stilt. That's what's up. There's one bird on here that's like a small bird and it eats a rat. I was like, oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> it's not a bird. It's just a bat. You rolled more rats. Sure did. Two more rats. Two grubs, though. Grub a so, dub dub, as they I'm say. I'm actually going to take those two grubby grubs. Okay. Play a bird. The Lazuli Bunting is a very nice bird. Latin name Anomomia means beautiful or charming. I know someone who teaches Latin, and if they hear this, they would kill me for how I pronounce that, I'm sure. Just going back on comics, though, what about this Klaus? Klaus? Claus? I never figured out how to pronounce it, but it's unexpectedly exciting. It's like if you combined Conan the Barbarian with Assassin's Creed. Can you just, like... And, and made it about Christmas. <laughs> need you to like start a blog but aiming only at me <laughs> and in this blog give your elevator pitch which you have been on these like obscure or, or just like you know random like non-mainstream comics and i'll spend more money than i need to <laughs> uh because yes that's two for two man dude it's it was wild is it a like a one one and done kind of yeah. thing I mean, I think they left it open in case they wanted to make more, yeah. but it, it wraps up pretty nicely. It's like there's some town with some oppressive wizard controlling it, whose mind controlled everyone to go into the mines to dig up some ancient evil. Okay. And this uh, Conan type finds the magic forest fairies, empower him to make toys for the children to bring them joy in this joyless town. And yeah. then he breaks in to, you know, defeat this evil wizard, but yeah. he does it stealthily, like he's climbing up buildings with a hood on and... In Assassin's Creed style. He's got a pet wolf. Bounds in and bounds out. <laughs> it's it's like, it's paced a little too fast. Like, there's a couple times where it's like, they'll reference some backstory that was never part of the comic. And doesn't really move the story forward. It's just like a interesting world building detail. Yeah. But it hits you out of nowhere and like, doesn't come back. So, But it was a fun read. And it ends in like, this exciting climax of him, you know, fighting the evil sorcerer. It's pretty cool. As the ancient evil is stirred, and it sounds like a kid's holiday special, but it's like yeah, it sounds like violent. a Saturday morning cartoon. Like he, but he's like cutting people open, and there's like blood and skulls everywhere. Oh well, so it's a weird blend of genres. <laughs> and overall, gets a thumbs up. So I'll nice. I'll loan it to you next Christmas. Get you in the mood. <laughs> Very good. Give me the spirit. And then next time you see me after that, I'm just dressed. I'm cosplaying as him, and I have a wolf companion. I show up and Spot's freaking out because the wolf smells on me. <laughs> Spot was my friend. Why is he... Dude, it's so funny. Growling and shaking in the corner. He, like, loves you so much. He must, like, remember when you played with him as a puppy. <laughs> I, still, I still think about that day that we were over there and I was playing with him so much that he got so excited. <laughs> and then he goes... <laughs> but he didn't puke. He just made that noise. Like He just got so worked up. 
Dude, he had uh, some sort of acid reflux. He did that to uh, my father-in-law. He was like (laughs) rolling him around on his belly and flipping him over, and so I was like, blah. (laughs) I think we found out he had a B12 deficiency, Mm -hmm. so he couldn't digest his food. (laughs) That might have been related. Could have been. Playing birds, playing birds. Corsican nuthatch. <laughs> this vulnerable species is found only on the island of Corsica, where it feeds on pine seeds. Oh, how interesting. All 21 centimeters of its wingspan. So I get to draw a new bonus card. Yeah, and it stacks with the one that you have. And then I get to take a card from the bird feeder. Man. What? What a lucky, lucky draw. <laughs> Clutch. I'm going to take a rat. Probably should. Because uh, that's all I can take if I don't roll. And if I rolled, I have Yahtzee five rats. Because <laughs> that's my luck with dice. <laughs> Alright, well, I guess I'm going to lay eggs. Oh, then I get an egg. Thanks to the American Avo set. Your turn. Last turn for this round. I'm going to play the red-shouldered hawk. He's going to eat this rat. Um, but we can both lay an egg. Cool. Not the kind of generosity I would normally support in a game like this. But. For my last turn this round, I shall draw some birds. Draw me like one of your French birds. <laughs> it's like a, a sexy bird laying on the couch. <laughs> or like the cover of the Wingspan box. <laughs> and that's it. So, as we go into this final round, I'm more interested in you telling me about the dropout. But yeah. if you want to talk about Dope Sick more, which, which, one, which one are you more excited about? Um... I can talk about Dropout, because Dopesick came out last year, and okay. it's it, it's good. It's just real sad. It's about the Oxycontin pan- oh, like, epidemic yeah. in the mid-thousands, you know, uh-huh. like when everyone was apparently getting hooked on it. I mean, that's, I still feel like they're over-prescribing it, aren't they? Uh, not as bad. I oh, mean, they are, but not near as bad as they once were. Dopesick, though, like, it has a solid cast. It's got Michael Keaton, Rosario Dawson, Will Poulter. Oh, I kind of remember this now. It was like a miniseries, right? Yeah, on Hulu. I mean, it is very well done, and it's very, very good. It's just not going to make you feel great by the end. Gotcha. Thumbs up, just, it's dark, you know? Okay, okay. So, The Dropout just came out a week or two ago. I'm not for sure. It's relatively Oh, it's on Hulu, so there's only been like one or two episodes, right? Well, no, they... So, Hulu does this thing when they do miniseries, because they did the same thing for Pam and Tommy. They drop the first three episodes all at once. So Dropout is on its fourth or fifth episode now, and it's really good. It's uh, Amanda Seyfried plays the main character, who's Elizabeth Holmes, who was, um, she got busted because she had created a medical technology company called Theranos or something like that. But basically, her idea that she sold falsely, under false pretenses, to all these different backers and pharmacies and all this stuff was that they could design a blood test machine where like you'd basically prick your finger put your little blood drop on this like little card thing put the card in this machine and it would run a gambit of tests to tell you if you had anything from like a blood disorder to like blood cancer if you think about it now now that you know it's fake like not feasible like this well, is not say, going to just think about because i've done like health tests where they're like we're going to draw a vial of blood to do three tests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to give you everything off one drop. Yeah. And it's like... Uh, Which, if it was true, you'd invested that. Yeah. <laughs> so, the whole interesting drama behind the story is that, like, right off the bat, there was a lot of people that jumped on her idea so hard that they got super hosed when they realized that she had been lying the whole time. <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, so basically... She, uh, she's, so it's called the dropout because she quit college. 
She was a Stanford student, and she quit in her second or third year. Like a classic Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates story. Yeah. Well, dude, it's so funny that you say Bill Gates, because, like, she idolized Jobs to, like, have the idea of, like, you know, a front man for a company that was, like, this came from... Not necessarily nothing, but, like, right. you know what I mean. Like, started it all sort of in thing. In the garage. Yeah, that was, like, her idol. So she dropped out of Stanford, started this, like, idea with a bunch of engineers and biologists and, like, health specialists and stuff like this. But they could never get it off the ground, and they kept, they faked, or she faked, they weren't part of it. They didn't realize what she was doing until it was too late. She faked a bunch of test results so that when she pitched it to pharmacies and medical groups that would pay for her to do these tests or to, Mm -hmm. like, further her company, like, it all looked, you know, above above the the board. (laughs) So it obviously was not. And then she was dating this dude that she met in college that was, like, 15 years her senior. 15, 20 years her senior. His name was Sonny Bolari, I think his name is. Mm. But he ended up backing her financially and became the CCO of the company while they were getting everything off the ground. And he straight up knew everything was false. But then, obviously, eventually there were some whistleblowers and people that were like, we're not okay with you selling false promises to people who are actually sick. Because, like, she ends up going to like the her backers are like oh go test it out in the field like take it to like a nursing home or something and she wouldn't and it obviously wouldn't work and these people would be like oh no you gave me false hope and she's like oh no sad i thought it was like a vaporware story oh man no so she's awaiting trial or sentencing, I should say. Her trial's over. She's awaiting sentencing. And in then, the episode you're watching? Or in real in life? In real life. The first three episodes lead up to like the beginning of her really starting out the company. Yeah, what's Events. the vibe of the show? It's just straight drama. I mean, is she like the villain or whatever? Is it like For a sure. villain origin story yeah, kind like of thing? They, they try real hard to like humanize her and like make her sympathetic to the viewer. She doesn't vibe with people normally. The interesting thing about it, though, is that she started this whole idea not to like become some sort of egotistical villain in that sense like we're like oh i'm sitting on a mountain of money she has stated that she wanted to help people it just was too ambitious and too too much too fast yeah instead of admitting defeat she just kept pushing the lie you know and until it backfired on her but no it's good it's got uh naveen andrews in it and i haven't seen him in since lost what he was uh, Saeed. Yeah. Oh, I love Saeed. But Amanda Seyfried, like I said, she's awesome. It was mm. supposed to be Kate McKinnon was her, was oh. the main, but she backed out. And to be Carol King? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But it's it's good. It's not it's bad. Cool. It's just right. um, it's just not not another feel-good show. It's just one yeah. of those true crime been, dramatizations, I guess. Been re-watching New Girl, and that's my number one feel-good show. It makes me laugh so hard. Man, it is so good. Rest of Development's mine. I love it. Seasons one through three. I don't really care about four and five. I want to see four again. I never saw five, but I want to see four again now that they recut it to be like a normal season. Yeah, it's not bad. It's much better. I really like better. the high concept of the other one. It's but m- I always like high concept weird stuff. It's much better than how it originally aired now that they've recut it. Like, it's so much better. Yeah. It's night and day difference better. But still, one through three. For me, TV comedy perfection. There's not much else that you can get better than that for me. All right, let's bring these birds home. All right, last round. Let's do it. And we'll tally up our points, and we can talk about the Batman. <laughs> this is intense eye contact. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they heard point. it on the podcast. Probably did. Probably probably felt awkward. Probably. <laughs> like, why do I just have the sense Ooh, of... Gosh. <laughs> Start looking over their shoulder. 
It's like Batman's here. All the right. Batman's here. You go. Oh, I'm out of eggs. Classic bird problems. <laughs> As a bird enthusiast, I know all about missing out on eggs. Oh, every more eggs in my hutch. That's a thing, right? The egg hutch. <laughs> you can put eggs in a hutch, I'm sure. Because it's a point every time I tuck a card, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm one bad card tucker. Yeah, at this point, it's all about it's all about them. Yeah, points. round four, get them points. You're up. My, just got my lay eggs. Did you guess. just kiss your egg? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Grow into a nice big bird. So he comes out, and then I get to activate his row. So I get to look at a card from the deck. My red-shouldered hawk is going hunting. This yeah, you get to tuck that bad boy. Pygmy nut hatch is smaller than seventy-five <laughs> centimeters. Wingspan wise. Yeah. So I'm gonna tuck him. You tuck him. Tuck, tuck, tuckaroo. Let's each lay an egg. <laughs> Let's do it. Spread the love. Yeah. That's what we do here above the board. Would you like me to regale you about triangle strategy real quick while you're thinking of your turn? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoy it. It's really good. It's fun. It's uh, it's another one of those perfect switch games where you can just like pull it, pick up and play, you know? Because it's a tactical strategy game. Yeah, like an isometric. So uh, are the battles short enough? It's easy enough to like pick up in between like turns. Like you don't have. It's not like a, oh, like a constant battle. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But like it's super uh, strategic in the sense of like the direction your characters are facing matters greatly. Uh, elevation matters and and. Just yeah. like placement of individual pieces versus like, I don't know, like a Fire Emblem strategy where you can like bunch your platoon together mm-hmm. and kind of just pick off an enemy platoon or like surround them. Each unit is its own character with its own abilities that you get from leveling up and stuff like that. But they also like do a really cool job of playing off of each other. One character's ability could be it delays an enemy's attack if it's standing next to a healer. So like if your healer's like right next to a certain enemy that could be attacking that healer, if you attack them, then your healer's safe and your healer can heal you. Oh, nice. You can also like stack attacks. So if you have an enemy character in one little quadrant or square or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you have two or three characters around him, and then you move a fourth character to attack, whatever character is touching him can also attack mm-hmm. automatically. Like it just does like a random attack. But flip side of that is that the enemies can do that too so if the enemies surround sure. you they do the same thing to you but no it's really cool the stories i mean it's square enix game so it's very sure. final fantasy-esque like just that oh, weird yeah. like high fantasy nothing really matters nothing really makes sense you know what i mean <laughs> but you gotta save the world but you gotta find a princess you gotta stop chaos you gotta <laughs> yeah do the, magic <laughs> the powers of chaos yeah it's it's not bad. I think like the selling point on it is the battle mechanic. And with the Switch, I feel like, especially at the point we are in our lives, like if you're going to pick up like an in-depth Switch game, if it's not a platformer, those are the type of games that you want where you can just pick them and play at any given point and then put it back down. It's fun. So thumbs up for sure. Money. This is what I wanted to draw, my friend. Savi's Warbler. I was thinking that. Were you? <laughs> in your mind? In your mind palace? Yeah, as a bird enthusiast. Yeah. I gotta say, Savi's Warbler <laughs> right at the top of my list. Paolo Savi is called the father of Italian geology. He's so good. But he was also an ornithologist, so. Yeah. So, this was his Warbler. Uh, I'm so glad. It's a legendary Warbler. There's only one in the deck. Yeah. Because this is specifically Savi's. I, there would only be one of that Warbler. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to play this great Roadrunner. Here, since we're trading facts, <laughs> did you know Roadrunners rarely fly, but will jump up to snatch prey out of the air? Oh, snap. 
like a raptor. Great Roadrunner, I imagine, is basically an American raptor. Look at that thing. Oh, yeah. It's like blue and yeah. dress for oh, five. Oh, Mr. Arnold. That's like what you find yeah. in the <laughs> Took me a second, but I got there. I'm going to play a bird. Savi's Warbler. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. All right. Well, I'm going to play me, bird. I'm going to put this Eastern Phoebe. Eastern Phoebe. Right there. And then you can draw a bird if you want. So what? What's on this bird's head? Because, <laughs> like, what is what is on this bird's head? What is even on this bird? Gala. A noisy idiot might be called a gala after these gregarious, playful birds. That's kind of rude. So we're about to do the final action of the game and see who wins. Should we talk about the Batman first or do the final action and then let's, add up our score? Let's do the final action, add up our score, and we'll end it with Batman. Oh, okay. La Ratatata. Tease people all the way to the yeah. end. Goodbye? Question mark? Uh, La Ratatata. <laughs> when they were like, URL. <laughs> that was a good part. It was. I was like, that one got me. I was like, I didn't see that coming at all. But anyway, all right. Um, your final turn, sir. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hmm? If I make eggs, I'll gain one, three eggs and tuck for a fourth point. Or if I play this dude, I'll lose two eggs, and he's worth five for three points. So the correct answer is to lay eggs. You were like Egg Baron, and now look at you. Your hutch is full of eggs. I'm just ovulating like a champ. (laughs) (laughs) We put that on a above the board uh, (laughs) t-shirt. Ovulating like a champ with our faces on it. Like the logo. (laughs) Yep. That's sell out immediately. Yeah, they would. Limited edition. By now. We we're not making them anymore. We sold out. <laughs> Is that your turn? This, yeah. Right. I drew a bird called a rough. And he looks rough. I bet. He's got like the haircut from those aliens in Babylon 5. <laughs> They're like the money grubbing people in Babylon 5. The flat Queen Dollar haircut. All our Babylon 5 fans will get what I'm talking about. Sure they will. <laughs> I mean, not that it matters, but you can get a grub. You can draw. You can draw a bird. You want a bird? Get a bird. Yeah. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. They say. If only there was like a what's that one card game where like you deduct points from how many cards you have in your hand. There's a lot like that. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> it's like that one music video with the school with the high it. school. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the end of round four. All right. So now here comes the fun part. We pull out the handy dandy scorecard. Ooh. And we're just but not gonna... yet. We're gonna talk about Batman. Okay. All right. Right. Yeah. 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 Or do they want to know our score? Let's leave them hanging. Which one do they want more? They're not going to hear Batman and turn it off and not find out. So anymore. do you want to know your... Let's go... Let's Especially after score. all that smack you talked in the beginning about how you're going to win. Yeah, is that what I did? <laughs> mm. Mm. It's recordable. We'll play it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess you are in charge of editing. All right. I'll just like dub over it real poorly. I'm going to beat you, bro. <laughs> Why did I turn into a Joel Schumacher Batman villain? <laughs> Alright, so the first thing we add up is all your bird points. Okay? So you got <laughs> I 11. I we were talking about Batman first. You, you just said I thought you said they wanted to know the score first. I thought I said that. It all doesn't right. matter. I we're doing it, this. We're okay. doing this. Alright, 11, <laughs> 13, uh, 18, 22, 24, 28, 35, 39, 42, 45. Right? Check my math. I will, because I feel like you added six wrong there. 11 on this row, 13, 18, 
Twenty-two, twenty-four plus six is thirty-seven, forty-one, uh, forty-seven. Forty-seven. All right, forty-seven, forty-seven. Then we got your bonus cards. What are your bonus cards? All right, that's a pretty good score, ninety-five. Ooh. So Philip, your score is ninety-five, and we got uh, twelve, fourteen. Um, well, no. <laughs> 12, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Plus 7 is... 19. 19. <laughs> you know what? Why don't you just count it out, Philip? 17, 24, 28, 32. So I came out at 70. You beat me by 15. Because you had 95, right? Yeah, that's, that's 25. 25. <laughs> anyway, it's after midnight. Well after midnight. Leave me alone, <laughs> Philip. I don't teach math. I don't need math. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. Not anyway. Let's talk about this Batman and then get the heck out of here. <laughs> so the Batman, starring Robert Pattinson. Yeah, and uh, Jeffrey Wright and Zoe Kravitz. Jeffrey Wright is who? Gordon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking like Paul Dano. Is yeah, I know. Great. That's why I laughed because most um, other people would have thought, thought like at the top either of my Zoe list. Kravitz or Paul Dano. Andy Serkis is Tom Notch. Yeah, he was an awesome Alfred. I really like their kind of like angsty relationship. Like more of Bruce towards Alfred. But then Alfred was kind of like, I really don't know how to handle this. But I also like that he helped. I thought that was yeah. neat. Right? Yeah. He's like, like instead of doing the New York Times crossword, yeah, New York figured, Times Wordle. Yeah. He was uh, like working on the... The cipher. The mm-hmm. regular cipher. Yeah, that was really cool. Overall, I really enjoyed it. I tell everyone that I think it's probably the best... Batman origin story that we've gotten live action. I know. I think it's funny you say that because I just like it's just not an origin story to me. I know, but it it is it is. It's just not presented as one because like we don't see. Thank God we don't see Thomas and Martha get shot in the alley. Kind of done with that yet again. Yeah, this is like how uh, Homecoming is Spider Man's origin story for the MCU. Yeah, yeah, but it's not an origin story. Same thing. The spider bite in Homecoming is referenced, but we never see it. Tom and Martha are referenced. Heavily. Yeah. Which, ironically though, this is the first time I was actually really interested in seeing it. Because really? cause I guess in my mind, the Batman story, like, origin story takes place in the 50s, you know? Even though they always update it. But, well, but this is the first one where 20 years ago was like in the 2000s. Yeah. I think it's you also know? really cool, like, just, like, Batman as a media piece. Is that you're right, it's always made to think that it happened in the 50s like their his origin as a kid like his parents mm-hmm. died but they always do it in like a timeless way yeah where it could be like gotham like gotham was hit with the show it was like hit or miss for me but they made it timeless because they had cell phones but then like everything looked old they yeah, dressed old yeah. they drove old cars but they had cell phones and like flat screen tvs <laughs> it was weird it's just kind of a cool way because gotham's like a like a parallel new york so it's kind of cool I think that Matt Reeves did a fantastic job for this Batman. Yeah. To me, I think the big win of this is that they went like full noir. Yeah. In a really cool way. It's like a noir tropes to a T. And it fits Batman so well because it's like him as a detective. And he's all like rough outside the law, private eye sort of situation. I love the fact that they leaned heavily into detective Batman. Like yes. That was so I think that's a huge win too. Because cool. I think that's always what made Batman cool. Yeah. Is that he's like wasn't super. He just like super figured smart. stuff out. Yeah. You know? Put his mind to work. It's pretty cool. Uh, I I joke and said that this is the wettest Batman movie you'll ever yeah. see. I mean, it's it's not 
not true. It is the wettest Batman movie. Most lubricated Batman movie. <laughs> it's so lubricated. It is not a king cake, Philip. You know. <laughs> but building off what you said with it being super noir, like that helped build the the atmosphere of it being like this. I don't want to say neo noir because that implies like Blade Runner, but like a modern noir. And it was it was beautifully shot too. Oh yeah, it was everything was interesting. I think we both, since we talked about this offline, we agreed it's kind of slow. Yeah, it I, could it could be ten percent faster. Yeah, it, it could I could do with it losing about thirty minutes yep. of screen time, and a good chunk of that is like shots being tightened up just a little bit. That's also kind of like the noir thing is you gotta like be moody a little bit. Nah, I get it. Let but you don't breathe. have to be moody every single shot. Like, I loved it. It was really cool. But, like, the big Batman penguin chase scene, and he flips him, and he's approaching him, and he's upside down like a bat. Oh, he did it. He's so cool. But that's like a... I mean, it's not. But it felt like a five-minute scene of him walking towards the penguin upside down. It's like, okay... It looks great, but we can take. It is. There was like fifteen 30 minutes they could have gotten from taking thirty seconds off all these shots. Yeah, easily fifteen. I think yeah. more, man. Honestly, and still I mean, kept that noir feel. Oh yeah. It's just there were so many like slow zooms, mm-hmm. slow zoom outs. You know, or following someone walking. Yeah, I think is the ones that got me the most. Yes, yes. That like just a little bit too long. Like yeah. setting up the scene is great. One thing, this is super off topic, but one thing I did enjoy is that no other character other than Riddler called him Batman. Maybe Gordon did once or twice, but no other character called yeah, him. Yeah, they were calling him the Vigilante all the time. Yeah, or Vengeance. I thought that was really cool. And I think that thematically worked out really great in that yeah. how it was about him coming to terms with being Vengeance and then in the end deciding not to be Vengeance. I thought that was really great. And my dad mentioned to me, I noticed at the beginning, like when he's like working and, you know, uh, Alfred's like, oh, you got to get up and see these people or whatever. It's like the sunlight hits him in the face and he's like, ugh. Yeah. But then like at the end, he's like standing like in the sunrise, like in the sun. Yeah. And so that theme of him changing is there. And I was like, ah, I noticed both of those, but didn't like connect them in my brain. Yeah. I I just now connected it in my brain. Yeah. So I want to share it with the listeners, too. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You're welcome. I did like a lot of the uh, throwaway details that weren't meant to be throwaway, but they Mm -hmm. were like world-building stuff. Like his bat suit. Like, he didn't glide with a cape. Like, it was a wingsuit that he just, like, stepped into. That was, like, part of his suit. I thought that was really cool. I feel like a lot of classic Batman is, like, full utility belt. Yeah. he's just, like, whatever he needs is like, oh, I have it in my shark repellent. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I think, I feel like they went the opposite direction where he had gadgets but it was like he had to plan on having it. Yeah, I get that. And it was like with that wingsuit where it was kind of like it was like real clunky and he's like, I guess I got a wingsuit. And well, like even, even the Batmobile like was super cool, but it also was like he welded, you know, an engine onto a the jet back of a engine car. To a, <laughs> like it wasn't like a cool, sleek, to a muscle car. super invented car. It was like homebrew. I dug his Batmobile though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. at least the aesthetic look of it. Like oh. it was just very cool. And that Penguin Chase too when he's like barreling through like debris that was that fell off the truck and it didn't even phase the car or anything. Like yeah. it just like crashed right through. I was like that's pretty cool. And hopefully I'm sure we'll get another one. At least two more because Reeves has plans for a trilogy. I think that's my one thing and the more I think about it the more I feel like maybe it's my fault. But the fact that I felt like I couldn't evaluate it as just a movie. Yeah. Because like I was telling you, I really like it as like a DC Elseworlds almost. Where it's just like one-off, Batman noir, super cool, awesome. But like because the way they make movies now, I feel like 
I, is this part of a franchise I want to see? Do I want it to connect to these other movies? And I feel like the answer is no to all those questions. And then Dude, it, it makes me like like it less. But as soon as I like try to stop thinking about it as like the DC Cinematic Universe, well, it's I'm not like, part this of is like the greatest Batman. Yeah. So I get where you're coming from, and I agree yeah. with that. Like, cause there's some like it is my least favorite part of the whole movie is when it's got like at the end of the credits when Joker is like talking to the Riddler where it's like yeah. totally it's like one of those things that only exists to establish a cinematic like universe another, or whatever one of the worst kept secrets about the movie is that that actor was cast as mm-hmm. him essentially yeah. unnamed Arkham well, prisoner well apparently they um deleted a whole scene where Batman talks to him which, which would have made the movie be. slower yeah <laughs> only only slower <laughs> dude Colin Farrell though Dude, he's the best. He's, I'm so excited now about his show that's coming to HBO Max. What is it? Just the Penguin. Like it's, Oh, that's right. I saw that. He's getting his own Penguin yeah. show. So there was uh, that was already part of the plan. And then Matt Reeves was producing a G- GCPD spinoff show about oh. the origin of this version of the GCPD with like Jeffrey Wright and Gordon rising through the ranks to be commissioner and all that. Neat. That got scrapped, but... The redoing it in a way that it's going to be an Arkham. He described it as an Arkham Asylum haunted house serial show, but the GCPD will still be affiliated with it. Obviously, sure. you might have Jeffrey Wright still attached to it, so Gordon will still be around. There's rumors that we may get like what with the one guard, Nash or whatever his name was, or Cash. I think his name is Cash. Killer Croc bites his hand off. He's like another, uh, you know, on the on the ground ally of Batman that like yeah. helps him like inside. Arkham whenever stuff goes down. I did like that I felt like him and Gordon had a friendship more than like any other Batman movie I've seen. Yeah, too. like a friendship slash like an actual legitimate like working partnership. Yeah. Like they... Because I feel like that's always been a thing in Batman is that like he works with Commissioner Gordon but like in all the other ones it's just like they high five at the bat signal. Yeah. But, this, but this one they're like actually like doing <laughs> cop work and yeah. Gordon is like leave him alone let him see the crime scene. Yeah, he's with me. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And I liked how he uh, helped him get away. He's like, they're like, oh, he's yeah. like talking like real intensely, like next to him, but he's really like, you're gonna punch me, and then you're gonna run out that door, and you're gonna go. I up think to the that left. was one of my favorite moments in the that whole was movie. So good, because like he was talking to him, like he was giving him crap. Yeah. So that it looked like through the window that he was like berating him, but he was telling Instead, him how to like, leave, give him clues, and handing off the key to him and stuff. Yeah. And then I liked when uh, when they meet up later. He's like, you could have pulled that punch a little bit. And he's like, I did. Yes. <laughs> Very Batman. Yeah. It was very good. Zoe Kravitz, too, as Catwoman. She nailed it. She was really good. She was so good. I, I do think that... Yeah, everyone. Yeah. Top, top of Across the, the board. game. I completely forgot, going back to the Penguin for a second, I completely forgot that that was Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah. And, and like, then... Like, there was a couple times where I was like... That's him. Yeah. Somebody said it was Colin Farrell, right? Like, this is Colin Farrell, isn't it? Yeah. There's a couple times of just the way he moved his face... Yeah, Even through like, a prosthetic, yeah, you're like, that's definitely Colin Farrell. But, like, just any other shot in the movie, it's like, that doesn't sound like him, doesn't no, look like him. so great. I did like, he did an interview with, I don't know, one of the late night people, and he said that he was in full costume and no one had seen him yet, and Jeffrey Wright, like, walked past him, and he was like, morning, to Jeffrey Wright. He said that Jeffrey Wright just, like, mean mugged him, and, like, wouldn't complain to Matt Reeves about him to get him kicked off the set. He thought he was just some, like, thug that, like, was <laughs> hanging out. And then he said that, they are like, no, no, that's... Colin Farrell, that's the penguin. That's what he looks like. <laughs> and then uh, Colin Farrell said that his favorite thing was going into Starbucks and ordering, like, frou-frou drinks as the penguin. Like, people would be like, you want a oat milk latte? <laughs> you sure? That's awesome. <laughs> so, anyway, definitely thumbs up for that. Oh, yeah. Definitely check it out. You're talking about how 
you don't want to like it less because you don't want to attach it to the rest of the DC. I mean, not even universe. not even necessarily the stuff that came before it, but just like stuff that might come after. Yeah, yeah. like the fact that like because the Marvel movies, like you just like can't even evaluate them as singular movies. Like they're part of a bigger thing, you know. Mm, somewhat, yeah. I get what I get. What you're saying, but I feel like after Infinity War or well, Endgame now, like there's no clear cut path. So they're now more a little bit easier. But they're to... also like more connected in a lot of ways. Like if I saw Spider Man without having seen Doctor Strange, I feel like I would have been a little like playing catch up. Like what is up with this Doctor Strange guy? Well, I mean, you would have also had not seen Infinity War and Endgame to not know who he was, though. I mean, it's, but that's how I was watching those, because I hadn't seen Doctor Strange when I'd seen Infinity and Endgame. Yeah. And I was like, I don't understand this guy at all. But see, but that's not how you were when you saw Spider-Man. Because I saw Doctor Strange before I saw Spider-Man. Because I realized but also I didn't want to feel Infinity like War Infinity and War. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it, man. I get it. I get it. I think, though, Matt Reeves' plan for like what he's doing with the Batman is just a trilogy, and it's right. not connected to the extended universe the only okay. thing that i could see where it could get a little cumbersome is all these spin-offs that every studio is wanting to do off yeah. of every successful franchise like all yeah. these tv shows as a geek i don't care i do not care like give me more <laughs> whatever you know what i mean like that's fine like give me season two of book of Boba Fett. i don't care I, don't, I know that everyone hates it i loved it <laughs> who cares you know uh, let me see more of boba riding a rancor i do not care do we need to say more about Batman, or can we pivot to the Obi-Wan trailer? <laughs> Dude, let's pivot real fast. I'm so excited. It's awesome. It's amazing. The trailer, there's nothing in it. In fact, the trailer is mostly like Dark Jedi, actually. The Inquisitors? Yeah, yeah. it's like Sith or something. You need but to watch Rebels, man. It's just it's just enough that I'm like, I should watch episodes 1, 2, and 3 to get ready. I know. And I feel like it's got to be pretty exciting to make use, me think that. <laughs> because they use Duel of the Fates. Dude. Yes. As the background music. And I got super shook because a friend of mine from work was like, notice at the end. At the beginning of it, this so this is a super, not really deep cut, but like a super music nerd. Uh-huh. Like a soundtrack nerd bit. The opening sequence of the minute and a half trailer, teaser, whatever, yeah. is definitely Duel of Fates and only Duel of Fates. Towards the end, when they start talking about like the words that flash are talking about like finding hope still or whatever. Mm-hmm. It blends Duel of Fates with Battle of the Heroes, which is a song that played during Anakin and Obi-Wan's battle on ah. Mustafar. So you can hear both of them blend into the other, and it has this like really cool mashup. It's hard to hear over like... Because a good mashup has an air horn, like... Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> this is the remix. Another one. Another one. <laughs> Another one. What? But yeah, dude, no, I'm super pumped. I'm so glad they're bringing in Inquisitors live action, because they're super cool villains from the animated series. And the video game, Fallen Order. Fallen Order robot was in Book of Boba Fett. Or at, I least, thought was neat. at least a droid that looked like it. Yeah. But yeah, the Inquisitors, they're, they're bad people, man. The main dude in the Obi-Wan trailer, the main bad guy that's like spinning his, mm-hmm. the, I assume the one that's talking throughout the whole trailer, he's the main bad guy in season one and maybe season two of Rebels. And he's, he's bad news, man. I don't think he's going to be the main villain for the Obi-Wan show. I think it's the other one, like the chick that's like yeah. in more shots than he is. <laughs> It's like weird. Ewan McGregor's not even in it. But no, like not really. Second. Yeah, no, and as soon as he comes out, I was like, "Yes, Uncle Obi-Wan. Owen's in it more than Obi Wan is." Oh yeah, he's in way more shots. And and I love that every time someone talked about this potential show or whatever, it's like, is he just gonna be like creeping on Luke? And that's in the trailer. It is. <laughs> Where he's pretending to be a pod racer. Well, ten year old Luke. I feel like that shot should be like the final shot of the show, though. It very well could be. 
Unless weird. unless it's like in the middle and there's like assassins going for baby Luke. He's got to protect him. Yeah, dude. No, I'm super hyped. I'm also excited to see that he's not going to be on only Tatooine. Because I am a little uh-huh. Tatooine out. We got to get away from the Says Mr. Planets. Boba Fett, book two. That's the most Tatooine of all the things. I didn't say give me more Tatooine. I said give me more Book of Boba Fett. I feel like nothing's more like iconic in Star Wars, locale-wise, other than Tatooine. Agreed, but that doesn't mean that it all has to happen in Tatooine. Nothing annoyed me more the fact that Rey came from a desert planet that was identical to Tatooine. I was like, come on, JJ, please. It doesn't have to be like a jungle planet. We're not looking at indoor here, but can we just do something... The Corellia from Solo was interesting to look at. But part of it is there had to be a nobody from nowhere. Well, they certainly could be from a cool that. place. <laughs> anyway. It's like if you meet somebody from Hawaii, they're automatically like interesting because you're like, oh, Hawaii. That's yeah, true. But if someone is like Arizona desert, you're kind of like, oh, sounds like a bummer. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Our take. Hot take. So. Arizona, we hate you. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a hot take because of the desert heat. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I take it back then. It's a dry heat, though. That's what they'll tell you. I've never been to Arizona. I drove through it. I've flown over it, but I've never <laughs> experienced the uh, this dry heat. It's still hot. Nah, it's not good for me. It's like clearly a hot, humid day is awful. And if you could have the same temperature without the humidity, it would be like better, I guess. You can't excuse 110 degree weather by saying it's dry. And they got like weird dust storms that can kick up. That sounds terrible. It gets cold at night there, though, doesn't it? Mm, like any desert? Somewhat, but not like... Well, no, not like freezing. Yeah. All right, we are like way in the weeds. So we better sign off. All righty. Thanks for watching. Above the board with Josh. And Phil. So keep it above the board. With Josh. And Phil. There you go. You said your name twice. (laughs) See, doesn't that work so much better than whatever you opened the show with today? so much better. (laughs) So much better. Catch you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Perfect.